This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Time to go back to 1943 for the story of the poker game featuring Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson White's program with Fibber McGee and Molly. of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. simple sentence that's worth repeating over and over again. To take better care of your things, try waxing them. With replacements, more and more difficult is just downright common sense. To make things last, keep them clean, protect them against wear. Dust and dirt, you know, wear things out more than anything else. That's why I say take better care of your things by waxing them. Give your floors, furniture, and woodwork a protective shield of genuine Johnson's wax. Protect all wood, leather, and enamel surfaces with this same wax polish. Every application of Johnson's Wax gives not only protection, but brings out the natural beauty of the finish. Floors that are regularly waxed grow lovelier every year, and they never need expensive refinishing. There are 100 extra labor-saving uses in your home for genuine Johnson's Wax, which you can buy from your dealer in one of three forms, paste, liquid, or cream. is pretty much of a man's game. Trying to get out of the house for an evening to play poker is also a man's game. And here, taking a hand in it, we find Fibber McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. These doggone executive meetings, I don't know why they have to ring me in on all of them. Well, why don't you just refuse to go, dearie? Oh, I couldn't do that. I can't let them down there. They're depending on me. Oh. Look, why don't you go to a movie or something? I don't know how late I'll be out. You know how these things are. Oh, I don't think there's anything I want to see, McGee. What's at the Bijou? A couple of guys I never heard of. Saw their names out in front of the theater today. I thought I knew everybody in Baudville, too. What are their names? Matt Daly and Pop Prices. Oh. <laughs> why don't you go see him? No, I don't believe I will, McGee, but I'll tell you what I will do. Huh? What? I'll come with you. <laughs> 
You can go into your old meeting and I'll sit outside in the lobby with a magazine and wait for you. Uh, no, I... Uh, no, no, that won't do. <laughs> this meeting might last till way after midnight. Matter of fact, I think it will. What's the meeting about? Well, what's it about? Why, uh... Well, it's, uh... Well, the war effort. Oh. We'll probably discuss stuff like labor problems. A lot of the members of the Elks are businessmen and factory owners, and they all want to see if they can get some good hands. You know, to, to work. <laughs> In the factories and stuff. Yeah. Everybody's going to lay his cards on the table. <laughs> We're going to try and see that everybody gets a square deal. Well, now, isn't that grand? I'm proud of you, dearie, for wanting to do your bit. Oh, shucks. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy wouldn't do. <laughs> I only hope we can do some good. Well, I wouldn't gamble on it. <laughs> what you mean, gamble? Well, I mean these meetings are liable to be so much talk and so little action. Oh, we'll get some action, all right. <laughs> I'll lay a bet on that. Good for you. I'll just stay home here. Hey, maybe this is somebody that'll stay and spend the evening with you. Come in. Oh, uh, hi, sis. Hello, little girl. I haven't got time to stand and talk to you now, sis. I gotta go out to a meeting. Oh, my daddy's going out, too. He says he's gonna do some research. Research? Mm-hmm. He says he's finally gonna find out if it's scientifically possible to fill an inside straight. <laughs> <laughs> What's an inside straight, mister? Well, of course I... Why, uh, that's a poker hand, little girl. And if it'll save your father any trouble, you can tell him he can only fill one once in 13,789 draws. Well, I, uh, I, I didn't know you knew so much about poker, Molly. Why, I love to play poker, dearie. Oh. And I think it's pretty selfish of the men to want to play by themselves all the time. Yes, I, I, my, I imagine... My daddy says women clutter up the game. Oh. Yeah. He says they always want to play fancy poker games like grocery store and baseball and duck on a rock. <laughs> Duck on a rock That's a new one on me, sis What kind of poker game is that? Everything wild but the ace of spades <laughs> For a kid your age, sis You really get around Well, see My daddy plays cards all the time, I betcha oh. <laughs> He's always making excuses To get out of the house So he can play poker <laughs> <laughs> He, uh... He does, huh? <laughs> Imagine that. You know, I think that's ridiculous. Now, if a man wants to go out once in a while and play cards with his men friends, why doesn't he just say so? You mean that, Molly? Why, of course I do. That doesn't apply to you, though, dearie. <laughs> you always lose your shirt. Oh, I don't know. My daddy does, too, I bet you. Hmm? My mama says we're going to have the doors in our house made bigger on account of my daddy's always coming home with a barrel. <laughs> Are you going to see my daddy tonight, mister? Who, me? Why? No, no. Mr. McGee is going to an executive's meeting at the Elks Club, little girl. Yes, I'm yeah, one of the... Yeah, but my daddy said... Never that... mind what your daddy said. I got too much to do to waste my time. Hey, where are you going, Molly? Well, I've got a cake in the oven, McGee. Now, you leave whenever you like. I'll be all right, dearie. Okay, I'll let you know before I go. Now, look here, sis. You better run along because I'm pretty busy. I got an important meeting tonight. Okay, mister. But I thought my daddy said you were going to be one of the... Please, sis. Yeah. Never mind what your daddy says. I guess I know what I'm going to do tonight. Now, you run along. You talk too much. Okay. But if, if you want to stop at our house on your way to the meeting and bring your stuff, 
My daddy will give you a lift, I'll let you. Give me a lift with what stuff? I don't know, mister. Some dirty clothes, I guess. <laughs> Doggone it, why should I stop by your house with some old clothes? Mister, all I know is what my daddy said. Well, what did he say? He said he was looking forward to taking you to the cleaners. Doggone it. I, I hate to go out to a meeting and leave you here all alone. I, I, I feel like a dessert. Well, don't be like that. Maybe your meeting will break up early. Uh, I don't think so. We, we got a lot of important things to consider tonight. For instance, you know that cat that they keep around the Elks Club to catch mice? Yes. Well, she's been getting pretty thin lately. Ain't been fed properly. Oh. Yeah. And it takes a big special meeting, a grown man to sit around arguing about who's going to feed the kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. unstrung about. <laughs> well, she just wanted to know what I was doing this evening. She might come over a little later. Oh, that's swell. You girls can have a fine old time chinning. If you're one chin and up he's three, you can have a four-way conversation. <laughs> For goodness sakes, will you stop fretting about what I'm doing, uh, going to do this evening? Well, I know, Molly, but I... It's got me all fussed here. Yeah. <laughs> I've been by myself before. Yeah, I know. But... I won't play with matches. I won't put beans in my ears. <laughs> I won't mark up the wallpaper. Now stop worrying. Well, it, gee whiz, it's just that I feel kind of guilty running out on you like this. Heavenly days, if you have to go to a meeting, you have to go, that's all. Besides, if I... Come in. Hello there, kids. Hey, you know anything about weddings? Well, we, we had one once, if that makes us experts, old-timer. <laughs> what was it you wanted to know, Mr. Old-timer? Me and Bessie are stepping off one of these days, daughter, and we want to do it right. Who's supposed to pay for what? <laughs> well, the 
groom buys the bride's bouquet and the presents for the best man and the ushers. Ushers? Why do you think we're getting married at a movie? <laughs> I see where this is going to be an informal wedding. And you're picking a bum time for it, too, old timer. What you mean, Johnny? Who's going to spend three ration coupons just so they can throw rice at a couple of chumps? Who's tying any of their old shoes on the back of an automobile with no gasoline in it? <laughs> Don't let him discourage you, Mr. Oldtimer. You and Bessie go ahead and get married. Where's it going to be? At the bride's home? That good etiquette? <laughs> Why, sure it is. On account of so often, the groom is living at the YMCA. <laughs> then you'll want about four ushers, four bridesmaids, two flower girls, a maid of honor, a best man, and a ring bearer. They're going to be kind of hard to handle, daughter. Why? Bessie and her old man live in a trailer. <laughs> I guess uh, maybe we better just sneak out to a justice peace someplace. Oh, I wish we could be there as witnesses. You've got to have witnesses? Why, certainly. Why not? Oh, but if you want to get out of it later, won't witnesses be kind of embarrassing? Now, don't talk like that. Aren't you and Bessie in love with each other? Oh, daughter, every time I see Bessie, my heart goes bumpity bumpity bump. I get short of breath. My hands tremble. My mouth gets dry. Hey, is that love or am I smoking too much? Well, they're both expensive habits. <laughs> hey, what does this Bessie look like, old-timer? Have you got a snapshot of her we could see? Sure have, kids. Got a Lulu right here. Uh, Bessie's sunbathing behind the trailer. Here, take a look. Oh. That's Bessie on the left. Trailers on the right. <laughs> Say, this picture's so faint I can't make it out, Mr. Oldtimer. Yeah, it ain't very good at that, daughter. Must have been overexposed when I developed it. Oh, you do your own developing. Where's your dark room? My what? Your dark room. Don't you have a dark room to develop your pictures in? No, no. Too much trouble, daughter. I get the same effect by blindfolding myself. <laughs> well, much obliged, kids. I'll let you know when a happy day comes. Here comes the groom. Here comes the groom. Hold it up. Hold it Oh, my gosh, I almost forgot. Hey, Molly, where's the checkbook? It's in my purse, dearie. What do you want the checkbook for? Oh, well, something might come up at the meeting tonight where I might need a few bucks, you know, a donation to some charity or something. <laughs> Besides, the stakes are usually pretty high. Stakes? <laughs> what stakes? Oh, I mean, if, if the meeting lasts too long, sometimes we send out for hamburger steaks. Oh. <laughs> and if we don't have enough chips, potato chips, well, gee whiz, I want to pay my share. All the other fellas... Are... Hello, folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. What can we do for you? Uh, I just want to remind you, Fibber, about that poker. Oh, yes, about that poker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the blacksmith says he'll have it ready about the first of the week. What? <laughs> yeah. See, Molly, the last time I was over at Wilcox's house, I tried to fix the fire in the fireplace and sent the poker all out of shape. <laughs> Guess I don't know my own strength. <laughs> Teach me a good lesson. Yes, sir, it surely will. Say, what are you getting so red in the face about, McGee? What's a little poker between friends? That's what I say. He'll pay for it, won't you, Pepper? Well, I usually do. Uh, why, certainly, certainly. <laughs> certainly I'll pay for it. Say, are you going to the executives' meeting at the Elks Club tonight, Mr. Wilcox? What executives? You know, Junior, the annual, the, the meeting that was scheduled for the, well, the big meeting. Oh. Uh, no, I don't think I can attend a committee meeting tonight. Oh. I've got to meet an old auntie tonight. 
Isn't that nice? Say, if you're coming near here, Mr. Wilcox, bring her in. I'll give you some coffee and cake. What's your auntie's name? Uh, Philpott. <laughs> She's one of the... Doggone it, Junior. What are you standing around here for, Gavin, about your relatives? Don't try to cover up with a lot of idle conversation. Cover up what, McGee? Well, gee whiz, we know what he's here for. Why don't you get at it? He ain't fooling anybody. Okay, pal, you asked for it. Let's have it. Give your kitchen linoleum a new deal with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat next time you have a full house for a card party. Enjoy that royal flush of pride you'll get from a clean, sparkling kitchen floor. See how easily spots and footprints wipe right off a glow-coated linoleum. How much more sanitary your kitchen is with the floor surface wax sealed against dust and dirt. If you spill something off a tray... It can't raise the deuce with your linoleum because glow coat is aces in protection. Get a container of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat today. It's your dealer's choice. So long, folks. I'll see you. McGee, you're shaking like a leaf. What's the matter? Oh, I get so mad at that guy. Don't you know what he was trying to do? Trying to get my goat with all them card terms just because I bent his cheap old poker. Oh, oh don't be so sensitive. You're as thin-skinned as a toy balloon. Now, you run along to your meeting. I've got some mending to do. And now, I... I wish you'd get somebody to come over and stay a while or go to a movie or something. Gee whiz, McGee, I... don't be so silly. Why are you so anxious to have me do something tonight? Well, it ain't fair for me to have all the... I mean, for me to go out and maybe stay so late and all. I, I just thought that maybe... Heavenly days. Who on earth is that now? Repeat. Uh-oh. It's that Spanish girl that moved in down the street. The one that her brother is a pilot from South America. Oh, she's sweet. Yeah. Come in. Ay, buenas tardes, mis queridos amigos. Do you memorize me? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, sis. Sure, we memorize... Or you bet we remember you. Well, it's nice to see you again. How's your brother? My brother? Oh, he's sitting down on top of the world. Gracias. <laughs> they have made him a captain now. And he is very proud to be so rank. <laughs> you mean proud of his rank, sis Oh, see I still make one or two little mistakes with my English <laughs> But my honker says I am learning very fastly Your what? My honker I have a special honker for English Honker? Oh, you mean tutor, sis? Oh, <laughs> Tutor He also toots my brother Carlos <laughs> We even know each other's names. I'm Mrs. McGee, and this is my husband, Mr. McGee. I tengo tantísimo gusto en conocerles a ustedes dos que son tan simpáticos. My name is Moreno, Rosita Moreno. Oh, I'm glad to know you, sis. You married? No, señor. Many times I have been proposed that, but never am I marrying somebody until I have my head over my healing love. <laughs> it is a serious thing for a girl to go from singlehood to marriedhood. Yeah, it certainly is, dearie. In marriage, it's a case of look before you leap and then walk around if you have time. <laughs> but uh, what was it we could do for you? You mean, why are you visiting me in your house? <laughs> well, I am just murdering some time until Carlos is coming home. So I think I will butt myself in on those very nice people down the street. <laughs> oh, I hope you're not bothering me. <laughs> Sis, you drop in any time and practice your new English. I might pick up a little Spanish at the same time. I'm, I'm pretty good at languages. Overseas in the last war, I learned to parley vous French like a native. Yeah, <laughs> like a native Hawaiian. 
Say, you must bring your brother over sometime, too, Miss Marino. Oh, please call me Rosita. With friends, is it this foolish to stand on formaldehyde? <laughs> Formality, Rosita. Oh, see, si. Formality. Gracias. Yeah. Uh, well, how do you say you're welcome in Spanish? De nada. De nada. That's it. See how quick I pick it up, Molly? Oh, <laughs> you're wonderful, McGee. You ought to be appointed our next ambassador to Peru, Indiana. <laughs> now, don't forget, Rosita, you and your brother come over any time. Oh, muchas gracias, señora. I will tell Carlos, and he will be very delightful. Ah. You know I have been making good friends with close neighbors. He will kick himself out of his foot. <laughs> He'll what? Maybe I mean he will hand himself a good kick. No, I don't think you mean that. Um, he will give himself a pat on the back with his foot. <laughs> no, that isn't exactly what... Oh, I know. He will get out of it big with a kick. Oh, do you, mean, do you mean he'll get a big kick out of it? Oh, sí, sí. Ay, pero qué tonta soy. Qué cabeza tengo. Bueno, ya me voy. Muchísimas gracias por todo y hasta mañana, amigos. Come again? Thank you. I will. <laughs>
I, I guess I better be leaving any minute now. Fine, run along, dearie. Yeah, you go sure ahead. you don't want to go to a movie or something? McGee, for the 10,000th time, I tell you, I'll be perfectly happy. Now get along to your old committee meeting. Yeah, you won't worry if I'm kind of late. No, but you've aged 10 years worrying about whether I'd worry or not. Get along with you. Okay, but gee, I, I wish you'd just... Oh, dear, now who? Come in. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> Hi, Wimp, old bruiser. How are you, Mr. Wimple? Oh, healing up nicely, thank you, Mr. McGee. <laughs> I just met a friend at Mr. McGee's, and I promised him I'd remind Mr. McGee of the date he had tonight. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Date with the executive committee at the Elks. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Wimp. Much obliged. Well, how's everything going with your physical culture work? Just splendidly, Mr. McGee. See how I'm filling out? <laughs> oh, that reminds me, dearie. Our laundry bag didn't come back this week. <laughs> uh, where do you work out with your gymnastics, Mr. Wimple? Oh, I fixed up a dandy little gym down in our coal bin, Mrs. McGee. Makes it kind of tough when you fall off a trapeze or something, don't it, Wimp? Oh, no, it's soft coal. Oh. <laughs> That's nice, but that isn't a very healthy place to exercise. I should say not, Wimp. You gotta have fresh air. Work out in your bedroom or someplace. Open the window and take great, big, deep breaths. Like this. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. You couldn't take deep breaths? I couldn't open the window. <laughs> but I will very soon now. I'm getting stronger every day. Last week, I only weighed 78 pounds, and guess what I weigh now? I could never guess. 77. <laughs> I'm just burning off the fat. And see how much straighter I'm standing? Sweetie Face is teaching me to keep my shoulders back. How's she teaching you? Oh, she throws me down on my face, puts her knee in my back, and pulls up on my shoulders. Oh, <laughs> heavenly days. Hey, you can get a busted clavicle that way, Wimp. Oh, no. I always think before the bone actually breaks. <laughs> Doesn't your wife take it easy when you faint? Oh, yes, indeed. This morning when I came to... There she was, standing over me, wringing her hands. Oh, and what did you say? I couldn't say anything. She had my neck between them. <laughs> Goodness sakes, Mr. Wimble, I don't know how you stand it. Didn't you ever think of leaving? Oh, yes, I had, Mrs. McGee. One summer, I spent every afternoon sitting on a curbstone out in front, hoping some gypsies would steal me. <laughs> they never did. Well, I've got to be going now. Where to, Wimp? I've got to meet Sweetie Face down at the feed store. Oh, is she buying feed? No, she's just getting weighed. Well, goodbye now. <laughs> Say, more people come in to remind you of that committee meeting, McGee. Must be very important. Oh, it is, and I better be getting down there, too. I got a superstition about being there for the first hand. First hand? I mean, uh, I, I want first hand information about... For goodness sakes, come in. Oh, hello, Abigail. Uh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee and Mr. McGee? Hi, Effie. Glad to see you. Wiggle out of the minx and fling the body on a stool. <laughs> Slip your shoes off, too, if you like. Only three pair a year, you know. <laughs> You're pretty heavy on them. Uh, thank you. You girls will excuse me if I duck along, won't you? I got an important committee meeting at the Elks, Effie. Go right along, Mr. McGee. I have managed to struggle through 23 hours and 55 minutes of the day without your magnetic personality. I think I shall survive the other five minutes. 
thank you. <laughs> hey, are you sure it's okay with you, Molly, if I don't get home very early? These meetings are after No, to be... no, no. Now run along and don't come home till you get good and ready. I'll be perfectly all right. Okay, well, so long, Uppy. Mm, good evening, Mr. McNeil. And, oh, I almost forgot. You didn't give me the checkbook, Molly. I haven't time to look for it now, dearie. Oh, well, okay. Well, so long, Molly. See you later. McGee, you didn't kiss me goodbye. Huh? Oh, well, goodbye. I'll see you later. <laughs> Well, come, my dear. We shall have to hurry. We're ten minutes late now. Where is the bingo game tonight, Abigail? <laughs> At Gladys Mills. You'd better bring about five dollars. I lost three seventy-five the last time. Well, I've got the checkbook in my purse. Where's my hat? Uh, oh, here it is. I'm ready, Abigail. My, I've been looking forward to this ever since she called me up. But how about Mr. McGee? Will his committee meeting take long? Committee meeting Mike Clavicle. He's headed for a poker game, Abigail. <laughs> I've been trying to get him out of here for an hour. Come on, let's go, dear. Oh, very, very good. I, I hope you didn't have too dull a evening with up for yourself. Well, <laughs> to tell the truth, we went out to a bingo game. Huh? I lost two dollars and sixty cents. You did? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to tell the truth, I was playing poker. <laughs> I won twelve bucks. Well, while we're telling the truth, I knew you were playing poker. What? What was the idea? Kidding me along? Well, I knew you'd have more fun if you thought you were getting away with something. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have gone with you. Huh? Abigail just sits there with no expression whatsoever. Poker face? I was tempted to once or twice. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. The characters of the old-timer and Wallace Wimple heard on this program were played by Bill Thompson. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. As sometimes happens, we have two lengthy shows to present tonight, which leaves me little time for commentary. So let's get right to the action and hear another spooky tale from the radio series The Whistler. This episode is entitled The Alibi. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of The Whistler? Whistler. I've come to the end of my rope. I've tried my best for 20 years to please Agatha. I gave up my painting and tried business after business and failed in every venture. Now I... I can't go on any longer. I'm through. Another Sunday night, and again CBS presents The Whistler. the whistler know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women 
Aqua stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the amazing story of the alibi. Poor Henry Farrington paces the library floor. Through his mind run the events of the past 20 years, from the day when he married the wealthy young widow, Agatha Durant. Henry hadn't a dollar of his own then, nothing but charm. He still hasn't a dollar of his own, and now very little charm. Henry was a struggling artist, but Agatha was a businesswoman and was determined to make Henry a businessman. And Henry had tried, tried hard. Agatha backed him in venture after venture, bossing him, completely dominating his every moment. But Henry experienced nothing but failure, and gradually Agatha's love turned to disgust. And now, 20 years later, his artistic talent long since vanished, he realizes what a wreck Agatha has made of him. What are you doing in here, Henry? Morning, Agatha. I said, what are you doing? Why, I'm just thinking. Hmm, that's what I thought. What are you doing with the lights on in the daytime? Why, it's cloudy this morning. Bit dull in here. You don't need lights to think. Turn them out. Yes, Agatha. Are you going to do nothing but mope around again today? What do you want me to do? Do you know what day this is? Why, uh, no. What day is it? Perhaps I've forgotten. You'd forget your head if it weren't tied on. It's the first of the month. You go into town and collect the rent on the store buildings. Very well, Agatha. Shall I deposit it in the bank? No, bring it back here. And hang on to it. You lost it last time. Or so you said. I did lose it. Hmm. You need a nursemaid to follow your every move. You've done a pretty good job of it. Did you order the garden hose yesterday? No, I... I forgot it. I had a lot on my mind. Yeah? What's bothering you now? Well, I've got a chance to get in on a pretty good deal. I need some money. What kind of a deal? Well, it's uh, an oil lease deal. Who with? Why, uh, Joe Hammond. A 50-50 proposition. Joe Hammond? You know better than to talk to me about Joe Hammond. He's done pretty well. Yes, for himself. Double-crossed everybody he ever came in contact with. He's a good lawyer. You mean he was. Good thing I caught up with him and had him disbarred. He'd have stolen every dime I have. It only takes $2,000. $2,000? Add up all the thousands I've given you to put over business deals, and you'd have a fortune. You haven't done an ounce of business sense in your whole body. I never said I had. That was your idea. You started me on my business career, and you can take the consequences. What do you mean by that? I'm going in on that deal. I need $2,000. And one way or another, I'm going to get it. I wish I knew what you mean. You'll know later. Where are you going? Into town. To collect the rents? You better bring it back with you. I will, Agatha. I'll bring the rent and... And what? And the hose. Of course. Good morning, Agatha. <clears throat> Threatening me. Well, I'll soon fix him. <laughs> Agatha stands staring after him. Terrible thoughts race through her mind. Thoughts of fear, disgust, hatred, money, death, revenge. Her head begins to whirl. She can scarcely breathe. Her eyes bulge in terror. She clutches at her heart, her throat. Higgins, 
Higgins, the butler, rushes in, realizes at once that Agatha has had another of her heart attacks, carries her to the Davenport, gives her a dose of her stimulant, and calls Dr. Johnson. I heard her call to me, but she was unconscious when I reached her, Dr. Johnson. I gave her some of her heart medicine. And I don't remember her having one of these attacks for several months, Higgins. She's had one a week for the last four or five weeks, Doctor. Oh, dear. Well, she'll pull out of it in a few minutes. Her heart's in a terrible condition. She's been under some extreme emotional strain. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's coming round now. Ah, morning, Agatha. Huh? Oh, what are you doing here? (laughs) You haven't been eating enough apples. (laughs) Who sent for you? What's happened? Well, well, ma'am, you had another attack. I called Dr. Johnson. Attack? Nonsense. Oh, it isn't nonsense, Agatha. You've had one of the worst attacks you've ever had. No. Believe me, if you don't drop all this business worry and control your temper, well, you won't have many more. Oh, bosh. Tell me, what brought this on, Agatha? Some deal turn out badly, lose a little money someplace? No, I didn't. Oh, all right, Agatha. But I'm warning you, you'd better slow down, forget business, and control that temper. Do you realize what your blood pressure is? No, and I don't care. Oh, dear. Henry must have pulled a dilly. Who said anything about Henry? Oh, no, no, no. Take it easy, Agatha. You know, you're your own worst enemy. Well, I'll be running along. Good. (laughs) Plenty of rest and quiet and no temper. Goodbye, Agatha. Goodbye. Poor Henry walks around town for a half hour finally gets up sufficient courage to see Joe Hammond, the ex-lawyer. Well, Henry, have you got the 2000 Well, no, that is not exactly, Joe. When will you have it? I can raise it, but it'll take a little longer than you gave me. Now, look, Henry, I bought that lease and gave my check for 4000 Your check bounced. You didn't have a dime and you knew it. Now I'm caught short because of you. And you'd better dig up the 2000 or I'm turning it over to the county attorney. I'll get it, Joe. How will you get it? I'll figure it out. Did you ask your wife? Yes. But she refused when I told her it was a deal with you. Oh, you're a sap, Henry. You know she hates me. I've told her she was all wrong about you. Ah, I couldn't stand to be around a woman like that. Uh, Sometimes I... Well, I can hardly stand it myself. I'd kill her. What did you say? I said I'd feed her ground glass. She's done enough to me. And if I had to put up with her as you have, well, I'd do something about it. What would you do, Joe? I'd wring her neck. I can't stand a bossy woman. You'd kill her, would you? Oh, well, I was just speaking figuratively. You've tried hard, Henry. You've done your very best to be a successful businessman. It isn't your fault. So far, you failed, and she's sore about it. Left her entire fortune to her niece. A mere nitwit of a girl just out of school. I know, but she took out a $50,000 policy payable to me. Oh, what good does that do you? If you die first. But she isn't very well, Joe. Eh, she may live for years. You may bump off tomorrow. Yeah, of course, I doubt that. Nothing wrong with you that a uh, bank account wouldn't fix. Is that? No, I guess not. Ah, she's got all the money she'll ever need. She's not in a jam. She's seen everything. And we'll all go to that niece. Uh, except the insurance made out to you. Uh, that's payable in a few days, you know, after death. Yeah? I'm in a jam, Henry, and you're in a jam. You better start figuring some way out. I'll give you to the end of the week, Saturday at noon. You mean you must have the money by then? Oh, no, no, not necessarily money. Just, uh, well, just some sort of, uh, 
assurance that you know where you can uh, really get it? I see. Yeah. Well, think it over. And I'll always be around if you want any uh, legal advice. Thanks, Joe, for the extension. I'll be in touch with you. Agatha is in her room now, sleeping. Her niece has come home from college, having graduated, and brings with her a young man. The two young people are waiting for the aunt to wake up. Believe me, Janet, this is certainly a swell place. I had no idea it was like this. I thought you'd like it, Grant. I've never lived in a house with more than six rooms. This place must have at least 15. More than that, darling. Mm -hmm. Your Aunt Agatha certainly must have a lot of money to be able to keep a place like this. Mm, She has. She has more than she knows what to do with. What did the butler say happened to her? Oh, she, she had another attack. It's her heart. She has a terrible temper and pays no attention to the doctor's warnings about getting excited. According to Higgins, the doctor said he doubted if she could stand another like the one today. Hmm. Must be in pretty bad shape. Do you think she'll like me, Janet? Why shouldn't she? I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I warn you, she's a sour face and grouchy. But don't let her upset you. She'll get used to you. I love you very much, Grant. That's all that really matters. I love you, Janet, more than anything in the world. Uh, Your uh, aunt will see you now, Miss Janet. Thanks. Come along, Grant. Right. You wait outside the door. I I want to talk to her first. Try to get her in a good humor. Boy, this is a tense moment. I feel like I'm going before a judge. Hello, Aunt Agatha. How do you feel? I feel all right. How long have you been here? Oh, about half an hour. Sorry to hear you had another attack today. You should take things more calmly. That's easier said than done. How's Uncle Henry? He's in town. Good for nothing, man. Oh, I wouldn't say that. What do you know about it? Nothing. Oh, I think I know Uncle Henry rather well. All men are the same. I wouldn't trust one around the street. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Um, Aunt Agatha, I... Well, I... Well, well, what's on your mind? What are you trying to say? I have a surprise for you. Surprise? What do you mean? I brought a guest home with me. A guest? Huh? Least you could do was warn me. Who is she? It isn't a girl. Who, then? Just a minute. Come in, Grant. Aunt Agatha, this is Grant. Grant? Grant who? Grant Collins. I'm very happy to meet you, Mrs. Farrington. What's he doing here? He's going to stay here for a while. Why? Well, because... Because I asked him to. Well, I didn't ask him. But, Aunt Agatha, you don't understand. I understand, all right. And I don't need any explanations. Is this an example of what you've been doing at college, running around with men? Well, this is different. Grant is more than just a friend. I... I have enough trouble around here now without taking on any more. You'll have to leave at once. But you don't know what you're saying. I certainly do. Well, perhaps I can explain You'll it. keep out of this. This doesn't concern you. I'm afraid it does concern him, Aunt Agatha. Well, who is he? Where'd you meet him? What does he do? Well... I'm just an ordinary person. I haven't come from any great family, if that's what you mean. And I haven't any money. What's your business? Well, I haven't any regular line. I've done a lot of things. But I'll hit on something. Hmm. Another one. Just like Henry. You ought to have more sense than that, Janet. But I love Grant. Nonsense. And I love Janet. Young man, you better leave this house before I lose my temper. I'm not going to have my niece throwing herself away on a nobody. Now get out. Just a minute, Aunt Agatha. This is my home, too. Grant is here at my request. Is that so? Your home, hey. It's your home only so long as I choose to make it so. You're my heir, but if you dare to defy me, I'll change that quicker than you can bat an eye. Oh, you're jumping to conclusions. After you get to know me better, I... 
I think you'll like me, Aunt Agatha. Aunt Agatha. What do you mean by Aunt Agatha? I'm your nephew. Uh, did you say nephew? Yes, he did. Grant and I are married. Married? We were married today. Uh, how dare you? How dare you do such a thing without consulting now, please, me? Now, Agatha, don't let yourself get excited. Get out of here. Get out. But please, Mrs. Farrington, give me a chance to explain. This marriage will be annulled immediately, Janet. Or I'm through with you. Do you hear? I'll change the will and leave you nothing. It's final. Now get out. Get out, both of you, and leave me alone. Get out. I... Come on, Grant. Let's leave her alone before she has another attack. Well, do you think we should? I'm all right now. Leave me alone. Hey, I never expected anything like this. Neither did I. She certainly is in a bad way. Yes, I didn't realize it was quite this serious. She's in a terrible mental state. Well, this is a pretty situation for us. Well, I don't want you to leave, darling. You'd better wait a few days until until she's better. There must be some way to win her over. I, I hope you're right. I'll have a talk with Uncle Henry. Something's happened to cause all this. I'll find out as soon as he comes in. Now, don't worry, darling. Everything will be all right. I hope so. I'll just keep out of her way for a few days and see what develops. Now, long after dinner, Uncle Henry sits alone in the library, deeply lost in thought. On the desk before him is a small calibered revolver. His fingers toy with the weapon. And as the door opens, he slips the gun into his desk drawer. Janet closes the door and steps into the room. Uncle Henry. Huh? Oh, come in, Janet. I wanted to talk with you alone. Talk with me? Very well. What is your opinion of Grant? Why, I like him. Fine boy. Do you suppose it would do any good if you talked to Aunt Agatha? I? You know as well as I do how she feels about me. And in her eyes, Grant is an exact counterpart of me. She thinks it's the same situation over again. And she's determined that you won't have to put up with a failure as she did with me. But how does she know he'll be a failure? I'm her yardstick for all men without means. What happened today to cause the heart attack? Her violent temper. There must have been a reason. Yes, Janet, there was. I had a deal on. And I needed $2,000. She flew into a rage and had the attack after I left the house. What on earth are we going to do about her? I don't know, Janet. As for me, well, I've come to the end of my rope. I tried my best for 20 years to please her. Now, well, I... I just can't go on any longer. I'm through. What do you mean? Just that. There's nothing left for me now. I'm too old to try anything new. Too old to go back to my painting, and Agatha is becoming more resentful every day. I'm... Well, I'm... I'm licked. Uncle Henry, are you trying to tell me that... that you're planning something? Planning something, my dear? What do you mean? You mustn't, Uncle Henry. Regardless of how you feel, there's still much to live for. Is there? You've always been so kind and good to me. I just couldn't stand it if you were... No, 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 please, darling. (laughs) I'm much older than you are. Well, I just see things differently, that's all. And it's been terrible lonely in this house since you've been gone. Now it'll become lonelier and lonelier. Filled with hatred and greed and resentment and... I couldn't stand it. Promise me. Promise me you won't do anything foolish. Janet, whatever I do will be for the best. Please believe me. Everything will come out for the best. Around 12 o'clock that night, 
Janet, Grant, and Henry go to their rooms. And the big house settles down to sleep. Then, two hours after midnight, Agatha stirs uneasily in her bed. An eerie figure in white stands beside her. She opens her eyes. Uh, uh, who's there? I want you, Agatha Perry. <gasps> as ice. What on earth could have happened? A nightmare? She's had quite a shock. Oh, her pulse is fairly strong. Oh, she's coming too. Oh. oh. What happened? Well, you screamed. You had fainted when we got here. Yes. Yes. There was someone in this room. I saw it. Saw what? I don't know what it was. It was a figure in white. Auntie, you, you must have had a nightmare. Maybe so. It, it could have been a nightmare, but... It seems so real. Look. The window to the balcony is open. Did you open it, Aunt Agatha? No. No, I never keep it open. Look outside, Grant. You mean it might have been a burglar? My diamonds. It could have been a burglar. And your scream frightened him away. Look in the box in the drawer. I did. They're all here. Not a sign of anyone outside. Do you feel better now? What's happened, ma'am? Anything wrong? No, Higgins. Nothing's wrong. Go back to bed, all of you. I'll be all right. And lock that balcony window. Now it is the next night. Uncle Henry is sitting alone at the desk in the library, lost again in a deep study. Grant and Janet are in the living room. You really think it might have been a prowler last night, Grant? Well, I don't know. The window was open. It could have been. I'm inclined to think it was nothing more than a nightmare. She's, she's been so upset lately. Well, if it was a burglary, he didn't get anything. Well, that's true. And he might try it again. If he does, he's liable to get a good scare. What do you mean? this. Grant, where did you get that revolver? Out of my trunk. Oh, please, Grant, I, I don't like guns. Let them take what they want. If, if you start shooting, they're liable to shoot back. Besides, jewels can be replaced. Now, Grant. don't worry, darling. I couldn't shoot anyone if I tried. Anyway, there are no bullets in it. Then what good is it? Well, it's a little thirty-two I use in school for a starting gun. It has nothing but blanks in it. Yeah, see? It won't hurt anyone, but it'll give them a good scare. Well, blanks or no blanks, I don't like guns around. Now, don't worry, darling. Oh, good heavens, it's 7.30. I'd better get dressed or we'll be late for the Morrison party. Oh, yeah, you better hurry. I'm all ready. I want to see about the car. Oh, uh, Higgins. Yes, sir. Come in, sir. I was just having a little coffee and a bite to eat. Would you care for anything, sir? No, no, thanks. Uh, did Rollins check my tires and gas? I did, sir. Rollins and the others are all off tonight. I put your car in front. Oh, thanks. Excuse me, sir. Paddington residence? Yes? Oh, yes, Mr. Hammond. He's dozing in the library. I'll get him. What? Oh, oh, I see. Yes. Yes, I'll tell him. Goodbye. Joe Hammond wants Mr. Farrington to come over to his place this evening. I'll tell him. Excuse me, sir. Anything else I can do for you? Oh, no, no. I'll be running along in a few minutes. Uh, by the way, uh, since Mr. Farrington's going out, you'd better look in on Mrs. Farrington once in a while. Oh, I will, sir. Grant and Janet drive to the Morrison's estate to attend the charity lawn party. 
Henry goes to talk things over with Joe Hammond, the ex-lawyer who holds Henry's bad check. Then toward midnight, the lawn party breaks up and Grant and Janet return home. Well, that was a wonderful party, Grant. I never saw so many people, friends I haven't seen for four years. I was thrilled to death. Yes, it was quite an affair. I wonder how much they raised. Good many thousands, I imagine. And did that red-headed gal sell war bonds? <laughs> I'll run up and see how Aunt, Ag- Aunt Agatha is. I'll be right down. Right. Uh, I think I'll have a nightcap. Want one? No, thanks. Hello, Grant. Oh, hello. Party over already? Yeah, big affair. Had a great time. I got to talking business with Joe Hammond, and first thing I knew, it was almost midnight. Grant! Grant, call Dr. Johnson! What? Janet, what is it? Aunt Agatha... Come quickly, Uncle Henry. Call Dr. Johnson, Grant. You can't get him. Call the emergency hospital. Get a police ambulance. I'm still trying to get Dr. Johnson, Janet. Never mind, Grant. Police surgeon says we won't... We won't need Dr. Johnson. Did he pull her out of the attack? No. He couldn't do a thing for her. She was dead when they got here. Good heavens. She must have had a severe attack. Well, you see, Grandma... Just a minute, folks. I'd like to ask a few questions, and I'd prefer that you didn't carry on any conversation with each other. No conversation? What do you mean, Janet? Never mind. I'll get around to that. Take all their fingerprints, Davis, while I'm talking. Yeah, Captain. I demand an explanation. What do you mean, fingerprints? How long have you known Janet Farrington? Oh, about six weeks. Where did you meet her? At a dance, a party. Did you know all about her? Who she was, her family? Certainly. What do you know about him? Why... I just knew I loved him, and that was enough. I take it your financial condition is not so good, Grant. Well, no, I haven't any money, but what's that to do with it? Did Agatha Farrington object to your marriage? Yes, she did. She threatened to change her will unless we had the marriage annulled, but... Did you care whether that happened, Grant? Well, certainly. I didn't want Janet to lose her inheritance. What are you getting at? Grant had nothing to do with it, I tell you. I know what you're inferring, and it's ridiculous. Grant didn't marry me for my money. Uh, What's this about prowlers around the house? Well, we aren't sure there were prowlers. Agatha claimed someone was in her room last night. The window was wide open, but we aren't sure about it. It was a nightmare. Well, she did keep some jewelry in her room, and from the looks of the room, someone certainly went through it thoroughly. Who knew about where she kept the jewelry? Why, all three of us knew. And Higgins the butler knew about it. Where's Higgins? Why, I never thought of that. Probably in his room. I'll look. Higgins! Higgins! He's unconscious! Yeah. He's been blackjacked. Higgins. Higgins! Uh, 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 Fennington, what's wrong? Who slugged you? Slugged me? Why, I've been asleep. That's what you think. Feel the bump on your head. Uh, Good heavens. Did you hear any shots tonight? Shots? No, no, I was in my room. I must have dozed off in the chair. And it must have been a burglar. What goes on here? Anyone would think you were trying to cook up a murder. No, Grant. The murder's already been done. What? Yes. Mrs. Farrington was shot in the chest. Twice. Shot? But but that's not possible. Shot? Uh, here you are, Captain. We found this gun in the young fellow's room. It's been fired twice. Oh, this is silly. That's a starting gun. Nothing but blanks in it. Who fired it? What? I, I, I haven't the slightest idea. All right, Davis. Take the gun and the bullets from Mrs. Farrington's body and have ballistics check on them. young fellow. According to the ballistics test, the bullets that killed her were fired from your gun. But it isn't possible, I tell you. 
My gun had nothing but blanks. And there were no fingerprints but yours. I'm afraid you're stuck with this deal. No, please. Please, listen. I couldn't have done it. You had a motive. A gun and an opportunity. And furthermore, you left that party for a half hour tonight. We checked on it. We have a witness who saw you leave. All right, what if I did? My gun has blanks in it. Oh, please believe me. I couldn't bring myself to do such a thing. I, I couldn't. You killed Mrs. Farrington, and you might as well admit it. I didn't. I didn't shoot her. I swear I never wait, touched wait, her. I... I can't stand by and see an innocent person suffer for this. The boy didn't do it. I did it. I had a better reason. I planned it. I'd have enough of Ag- Agatha, and I, I was caught in a jam. I did it to get the insurance she left me. I was desperate. I came back and slugged Higgins while he was asleep. Shot Agatha and left the house. I don't believe you. You're trying to cover up for him. But it won't hold water. We've got him dead to rights. But I couldn't have killed her. I only wanted to scare her. I... What? Go ahead. Oh, nothing. Then you did come back here. Spill it. Well, all right, I did come back. Grant, what are you saying? I had the gun, but there were nothing but blanks in it. I dope Higgins coffee before I left the house. I came back and went to a room. I fired the blanks. Why? Well, I knew she had a weak heart. I figured the shock would bring on her death. I was the figure in her bedroom. I couldn't see Janet lose her fortune, but I didn't want to give her up. Grant, how could you? I can't believe it. I tell you, I came back and shot her. If he fired blanks, then I must have fired the bullets that actually killed her. Look at his gun. Real bullets in it. What? Why, they are bullets. Where's your gun, Paddington? Here. Open it. Great Scott. Why, they're blanks. That settles it. Come on, young fella. We've had enough talk about this. The evidence is all against you. Yes, Grant. The evidence is all against you. And nothing can save you now. Try as he might, Henry can never convince anyone that he planned to kill Agatha. Although it is true he did come back and fire at her, just as you did, Grant. But it was definitely you and your gun that fired the fatal bullets. Of course, I know what you're wondering. How did the real bullets get in your revolver? (laughs) You know, don't you, Janet? Tell us what happened. I saw Uncle Henry put a revolver in his desk as I stepped into the library that night. I was afraid he was going to kill himself. When Grant showed me his gun with the blanks, I switched the shells in their guns to keep Uncle from committing suicide. You see, I, I never dreamed that Grant had a plan afoot. Caused my aunt's death by mental murder. (laughs) There you are. Another tale of greed and revenge and hatred, all unraveled as neatly as you please. CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler is written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and comes to you from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next Sunday, same time... I, The Whistler, will return to tell you another unusual tale. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.